welcome to the Lucky 25 podcast. Actually, you know what? We're, this is a special edition. I have a very, very special person with me today. But as always, you know, I like to remind everybody at the start of the podcast, everyone has a journey. Embrace your journey. And also, I want to make I want to make sure I'd like to tell everybody, thank you for liking, subscribing. We are now officially on TikTok. So we're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. We will be uh, we will be going live on YouTube very soon. And we're also on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So I definitely want to thank everyone for the support. Thank you for the love, like, share, and subscribe. And make sure that you take this journey with, with the Lucky 25 community. Now, now that I've got that out of the way, um, you know, every time I have a guest on the show, I always say that they're not guests, they're family, you know, and this is no exception, okay? You know, I, I, I know y'all heard on social media, I don't play about this one here. Well, I don't play about this one here. You know, um, from just being recruited to uh, to create media together, to actually becoming uh, in, in my in my eyes and in my heart, you know, and I can honestly say this, um, he's family to me, you know. And so, without further ado, you know, I'm gonna int- I'm gonna introduce him my way, and then I'm gonna let him introduce himself. So we we have. The one, the only, the diva, Sir Rashad Eugene. Woo! <laughs> Baby, if you can't celebrate yourself, how can you expect other people to celebrate with you? <laughs> how are you, man? How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. This, this is a full circle moment because mm-hmm. um, we were part of the same team, which I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. But we were the part of the same team um, working on something huge. And then um, you left the team. I left the team. We went separate ways for various reasons. And now here we are reconnecting. And I'm so glad um, that we're able to. Um, uh, quick question, because I have people me and asking me um is it is it already available on your facebook yes it is live so okay. they can go they can go to jay vanderbilt or they can go to the lucky zero two five and okay. they, can catch, they can catch the live right now okay yeah. okay okay but yeah um to back to what you were saying you know really you know it, it really is a full circle moment and I, i'm very happy that we actually got to come full circle because i had been you know, trying to, you know, trying to reach out. And I always wondered, you know, what you, what you were up to. Um, but like, like you said, you know, we were a part of a team creating, you know, media and, and memories for a particular brand. And, and I mean, just let me say, you know, I, I hope no ill will. Shout out to the house of Remy Toe, Remy, yes. your, you know, your whole, your whole team. Um, because if it were not for you, then, you know, we wouldn't even met you know, in, in this beautiful friendship that, that we have, you know, of, you know, brotherhood and, and everything would not even exist. So definitely shout out to Remy, shout out to Rana, shout out to the whole uh, house of Remy, to- Remy Tosin, yeah, uh, and everybody. So not, nothing but love. But um, I want to, I want to, I want to kind of dive in here and we're going to do this in two parts. I, I really, um, because 
once again, I've called, I call him the diva. We actually came up with these names. I think we were having lunch or something. And this yeah. is how we all came up, you know, I'm actually Monsieur, Monsieur Vanderbilt, yes. you know, the one and only. Um, but um, you were always, from the first day that we met, you know, you were always very fashion forward. Uh, you know, you actually were the creative director uh, for, you know, for the House of Remy, so, you know, that we worked under. Um, tell me what inspired, uh, where does your fashion sense come from? Um, my mother is a designer and seamstress. Um, so I've, I've kind of been around it all my life in my home. Um, I've, you know, seen her design garments. I've seen her put together garments. I've, I've been with her to fashion shows and things like that. Um, I'd helped her with fashion shows in my teens. Um, my sister's anytime, every summer before school started, they always made sure that I had full wardrobe and all that, you know, but that was more so um, just making sure that I had clothes and that they were, you know, good clothes, nice clothes, name brand clothes, um, you know, but I, I didn't really, it never really clicked to me. I didn't really care much about image, I guess, because growing up, there was always something else going on that did not allow me to just be a happy person. You know what I mean? So in in the darkness of where I was, I didn't really care about fashion. It was like, oh yeah, I wear polo, Calvin Klein, Kenneth Cole, I wear all that stuff. Okay, yeah, my sisters buy that for me, that's great. You know, it, it didn't really make any difference to me. But So it wasn't really until I started working for Nordstrom back in 2011, when I was introduced to designer, luxury designer brands, okay. Gucci, Chanel, Prada, Balmain, Christian Dior, all of them, you know, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, what is this? And so it was assignment for me. It was homework for me as an employee to be abreast on fashion. So I would watch runway shows. I would research designers. I would um, look through magazines that I'd never really paid attention to before. And I found all these different silhouettes and fabrics and textures and it, everything. It, it, it literally opened a whole new world to me. And so um, through, through working for Nordstrom and then moving to Saks from there, I've been introduced to lots and lots of brands. Um, I'm not necessarily a designer person, although I am <laughs> wearing Chanel today. Um, I'm not necessarily a designer person. I'm more about style. Style is literally a reflection of who we are. Your style, the way that you dress, it's your hello when you walk into a room. Before mm -hmm. anyone hears you speak, it's your hello. You know, um, so I, I, I just really, more so love style above anything. There are many people who don't wear current fashion, but they're very stylish, you know what I mean? And right. so um, my personal sense of style uh, comes from post-apocalyptic meets chic. You know, for people who don't really understand what post-apocalyptic is, it's like, it's brands like Alexander Wang, um, Helmut Lang, who have this kind of end of the world looking feel, but it's very draped, it's very tailored. And then you couple that with something chic and controlled like Balenciaga or Prada or, um, you know, the brands like that who have more of a, a defined look. It's very simple, very, very chic. Um, so I've kind of coupled those two worlds and that's kind of come my own, become my own sense of fashion, sense of style. Okay, well, and I can honestly say y'all, and like I said, you know, Rashad and I have been around each other numerous times. 
when I tell you this, there's none better. There's none better at making a fashion entrance. <laughs> none better. Okay. <laughs> we were talk, we were talking earlier, you know, about you know some of the you know lunches we used to have and uh and, and one in particular where uh one of our other uh, one of our other team members shout out to, shout out to chris i call him shooter um he was I like he's like how's how's he said that was short i'm like the one and only <laughs> nobody make an entrance like that so you've always you know since the day we met you know and and, and everything we've done i i've never let me put it like this i've never seen you dress down okay like you know me, um, you know you you might see me, you know one day in you know a suit. You might see me in a nice vest with a nice sweater, a nice pair of jeans. You know, or one day you might see me in some sweats and a t-shirt. I never <laughs> ever <laughs> seen a, a down dress day. You know, some people have a laundry day and you know, a t-shirt. You know, not him. Right. Not, no. No. <laughs> I, I don't even I don't even think that exists you know, <laughs> with, with Rashad. I, I really, really don't. I don't think it exists. But like I said, you know, you've always been um, you've always been fashion forward. And, and, and I think it's really, really cool because it speaks to to who you are. Um, I was doing I was and I was reading and I was looking at your, you know, your your uh, your bio, you know, and you said that, you know, you suffered from childhood trauma you know and and i and tell us a little bit about that tell us about you know the trauma itself in as much detail as you want to but then also let us know how that childhood trauma turned into you know your your passion going going forward now yes oh my god it it all stems from uh, my, my passion for what I do now all stems from my childhood trauma. So thank you for that question. Um, and thank you for the respect that you have around that question, because too often people just go there without any type of sensitivity towards who the individual is, what that trauma may have been. Um, but I specifically make note of those types of things whenever I speak or whenever I write about myself, because I want people to be aware that I I am an open book. I, I, I put that on there because I want to talk about it. I want to share. Um, and so going into that, as to anger and um, negativity and different things like that, I just, I, I, I have a different feeling about it. Um, I don't think that everything should be handled in arguments. I don't think that everything should be handled aggressively. And unfortunately, that's what I was around a lot when I was younger. My parents fought ferociously. You know, I, I would hear noises. I would hear things happening. I would, um, I would, I would feel things from my siblings. I would, I, I remember being very, very young, and my parents were fighting. And my, I'm the youngest of seven children, and almost all of my siblings were in the house at the time, and they left because my parents were fighting or maybe they were fighting with my parents. I can't remember exactly how it was, but in any case, they all left. Mm -hmm. And it was just me and my other brother who was just three years older than me. We were very young. And so it's like, everyone left us. You know, why didn't they take us? You know, we're the kids. Why didn't they take us? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I've always kind of felt that disconnect from my siblings. Well, I did back then. I don't feel this anymore. But I, at the time in my younger, younger childhood, I felt disconnect from my siblings because they're so much older. You know, that's not anything that they can help. You know, they were old enough to 
to be out on their own, but not quite old enough to take care of a the big old child, you know. So it wasn't I wasn't their responsibility, but at the same time, I felt like once they started to get out of the house, they they kind of just you know, we're like, oh, well, he'll be all right. You know, they'll be all right. They have each other. Their kids, they're, you know, they're going to grow up in the house just like we grew up in the house. Well, no, it's a little bit different. You know, I have a different father than they have. So they didn't have the same connection to my dad. Um, my dad was not, for, for the sake of not slandering my father, because I love him and respect him very much, he was around physically, but he was not present in any other capacity. And so understanding that I did. I never hated him, but I did fault him for not working as hard as he could have to be the father that I felt I needed in my life. Right. Um, so not so not having that connection to my father, not really having the connection to my siblings, being teased um, or or not not always exactly teased, but just being misunderstood and not inclusive. Uh, amongst other kids for being gay or just for being different the way that I was. Um, I felt lots of isolation and almost like feeling invisible at times, you know, and so, um, so getting into my teenage years, um, probably the most devastating thing that's ever happened to me outside of losing someone through death. um, I was raped in my home at the age of 15 years old. Now, this was someone that I invited into the home at night, someone who was older, but I thought I could trust. Um, And it it sounds crazy to say I was raped in my home overnight. My parents were asleep, my brother was asleep. And when this individual started to make advances at me and I tried to reject it, it was, Oh, do you want everyone to know that I that you let me in the house? And immediately, as a 15-year-old who felt like no one really cared about me, that I was isolated, I'm either gonna be really, really in deep, deep trouble, get whooped with a belt, and probably put out of the house, or I can suffer this moment and live another day. Right. Wow. And just add it to all the other things that I've been through and let this moment pass. And that's what I did. I I can say that now, but I don't really, really understand how I fully processed that in the moment, Mm -hmm. but that's what it was. And so um, going from there, literally going to school every day, acting like nothing's wrong, can't tell anyone because I'll get in trouble. Can't tell anyone because I don't really trust anyone. I don't really know that anyone's going to be in my corner. Never really felt compassion from people like that. You know, so I just didn't know how to process that. Right. Advanced in years, I'm 19 years old. The same thing happens. But not in my home. It's in their home. Again, someone a little older. I was dating someone I thought I could trust. Same situation. So... Um, it, it's things like that. And that's probably the most devastating thing I can talk about. So everything else is just, you know, water on the bridge yeah. because it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's all kinds of things that we've been through, but that's, that's one of the, those are some of the most traumatic times in my life that I pull from because I wish that I was more aware of people. I wish that I had more of a connection to people to be able to read people, but I didn't. I felt so much isolation from family and friends that 
I found comfort in these people that I, I, if I would have really watched them, I probably would not have felt safe around them. But I didn't pay attention to those cues because I'm paying attention to you desire to be around me. You desire my presence in your presence. You know, that's what, that's what kind of made me feel um, wanted in a sense, you know? And so my, my dream is that people are able to equip themselves with characteristics, with skills, with thoughts, ideals, morals, values that will protect them from situations that can bring them harm, that can bring them trauma, that can lead them down, lead them down the wrong path. Um, like I mentioned, that was I was 19 years old when that happened the second time. Going from there to being a, a um, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, that, that's not where I was going. Uh, right, I was 19 years old at the time. Um, from there, I uh, I used to be an exotic dancer <laughs> and I started that when I was 19 years old. It kind of came as a result of that too. Um, I know people are probably looking like, oh, he's so small, he was not an exotic dancer. Well, honey, in the, in the gay community, exotic dancers are quite different than they are in the straight community, okay? You don't have to be 225 pounds. You can be a buck 50, you know, cute little petite thing, dance on a pole, dance, you know, do a little number, do a little show and everybody's throwing money at you. It's quite different. But um, <laughs> but seriously, I, I did. I was an exotic dancer for three years. And while I was also doing that, um, when I first started, I did it just because friends were like, oh, you know, you should dance. You can really, really dance. You know, um, I didn't I didn't strip down to nothing because I didn't have a stripper license and I didn't want one. You have to have a stripper license to dance nude. At least you did back then. I don't know how it is now, nor do I care. But <laughs> you had to have a stripper license back then. And I didn't have one. I didn't want one because I didn't want to dance nude. But I did want to be an exotic dancer because I could dance. You know, my friends pumped me up into it. You know, I was like, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll try this out. I'll fill this out. And, I, and so I did. You know, I got into that. Um, a part of that was also drinking alcohol excessively. Um, like I mentioned, I have a brother who's, who's uh, three and a half years older than me. So I would use his ID. So I was 19, but I was really 22. You know, so, so I'm drinking. And, you know, um, if you've ever seen the movie The Players Club, as a point of reference, um, there's an actress, Monica Calhoun. She was she constantly got drunk before she went to go dance. Right. And I mean, all the dancers, if you any, if you watch any type of movie with um, strippers, exotic dancers, that's what they do. You know, it's kind of like you pump yourself up or you kind of put yourself in a mental space where you don't care that you're doing something like that. And that's what I would do. You know, so I would drink and then it just became I would drink just because I wanted to drink, you know. And so before I knew it, I'm an alcoholic and an exotic dancer at 19 years old. And I'm carrying the trauma of rape. I'm carrying the trauma of isolation. So when I'm up here dancing and people are throwing money at me and then afterwards they're like, oh, you're so amazing, you're beautiful, you're this and that. It, it does something to you when you've never had that type of attention. Even though it was the wrong type of attention, it was, it was the, the wrong way, is the attention itself. You know, that it's, it's something powerful when it's used the wrong way just as it can be powerful when it's used the right way, you know? And so I fell into that and it took me a while, but I got out of it. And decades later, here I am a completely new person, saved and sanctified, you know? <laughs> but um, that, that's, that's the trauma that I typically speak of um, when, I, when I mention that or when I go there. Right. And it's funny that you said that because um, the one thing you said that I really identified with was that, you know, 
because you didn't have that connect, you know, and, and I, I'm speaking in, in reference to your father. <coughs> father was was there, but he wasn't present. You know, I experienced that as well. You know, my father was in the home, but the father that I needed mm. wasn't there, you know. Right. So I felt that I had to figure out things on my own. And it, it's something because when we're, especially when we're in our teen years, you know, those, like I call those the, form, the, the, the formidable years, you know, where we're really beginning to find ourselves and really beginning to shape into, you know, really who we want to be. When you don't have that, um, when you don't have that connection, especially to the male figure in the home, but you're not getting the love that you feel from anybody, you, like you said, you will accept it from anywhere, you know, and whether in, in your case and, and, and even in mine, I just wanted the attention. That's all I wanted, you know, because I knew I wasn't getting it at home, you know. So if, you know, if I had, if I had done things in the street, you know, and, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm an open book as well. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not proud of what I've done, you know, some of the things I've done, but I did those things because I knew it would get the attention, you know, I right. knew that, you know, right. and I honestly did it because I wanted the attention from my father, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, if I really, I said, you know what, I've been doing this and this is not working. But if I do this, I know I'm gonna get his attention now. Right. You know, and and nine times out of ten, even though I got the attention and I knew that he noticed me, mm -hmm. it still wasn't enough because it wasn't like, okay, you know what, son, I'm really, really pissed at what you did. You should do this. You know, yeah. it was almost like, you know what, I can't believe you did this. You ain't no son of mine. You know, no son of mine would do that. You know, and I'm like, damn, that wasn't the kind of attention I was looking for. Okay, well, but right. but in in your mind, as you're trying to figure out and navigate your way through life, mm -hmm. you still are saying, you know what? I didn't get the attention that I wanted, but I did get something. Something, yeah. I did get something, you know, and you know, and I'm and I'm, and I'm share this. I said this on a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. I had not heard my father say that he was proud of me at no point. And I'll be 51 in October. I didn't hear it until, let's say I caught COVID in 2020. I didn't hear it until after I got out the hospital. So I'm 49 heading into 50. And I had never heard that, you know. So for a young kid who, and most kids want to be like their father, you know, that's all I wanted was acceptance. That's all I wanted. That is literally everything. If I would have gotten the acceptance, I'm more than sure my life would have turned out differently. Now, I do believe that everything happens for a reason. And I'm thankful I'm in the position that I'm in now. But back then, when you're trying to navigate your way through life, mm -hmm. you know, to hear him say, I'm proud of you would have been everything. 
Right. I would have felt like I could have conquered the world at that point, you know, but not being able to get that and not being able to get any type of credit or compensation just for doing good, you know, took me down a completely different path, you know, and, and once again, you and I are the same. I'm, I'm an open book as well. Done the drugs, you know, I, I've, I've <laughs> have I done the drugs? Um, you know, I've been around, you know, the women and the prostitutes because at the end of the day, they accepted me. It was not looking back at it. Of course, it's the wrong type of acceptance. Mm -hmm. But when I was in that world, I knew that they would accept me, accept me no matter what. Right. No matter what. So when you when you're in that lifestyle and you you know you do the drinking and and you do things like that, it becomes numb to you after a while. Right. It's like, you know, okay, it's just another day. Mm -hmm. Same soup just reheated. You right. know. <laughs> and, and and I don't know, and, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it gets to a point to where you you sink down this rabbit hole and you don't know how to get out of it. You know it's not good. You know it's not good. And you're looking for a way to get out of it and it doesn't happen, you know. Right. Um, what was that turning point for you? You know, like you say, you know, you had, you know, you now you're an alcoholic, you know, you're an exotic dancer, you're dealing with all, you know, the trauma from, you know, both of, you know, both of the rapes. What, what was the turning point for you that said, okay, I have to do something different? I was 21 years old and I was, you know, like I said, I was dancing. Um, there's a huge um, time of the year for gay people in Houston called Splash. Um, if you're familiar with um, Freaknik or anything like that, Kappa Beach Party, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just for gay people. Right. So um, there was a, you know, it's a huge event that happens annually. Um, I, I performed for it the year before and I was performing for it that same year. Well, someone came to me and they said, oh, well, I'm excited to see you perform. And I was like, how did you know I was performing? You know, I'm like, people don't usually know that until they get to the event. And they're like, oh, you're on the website. Excuse me? <laughs> I was on a website. I was on a flyer, like, butt out in my face. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Like, it became something completely different. Mm -hmm. Now, before before I had gotten into 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 dancing in nightclubs, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a recording artist. And I've always kind of dabbled in music. I've done music here and there, but I wanted to be a recording artist. And so, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm accustomed to uh, being a performer. I'm accustomed to, um, you know, being on flyers and things like that. That's fine. But for my face and my body to be on something that is not um, flattering to 
a professional career. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it was, uh, it was an eye opener. And I was like, this is not the legacy that I want to leave. Like I need this to come down. I need them to take me off the flyer to stop passing out these flyers. I need to take me off this website. I contacted them. I got me taken off the website, but the flyers were out. So there was nothing I could do with that, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but it, 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 it was a real eye opener because it made me look at myself and say, is this what I want to be known for, for the rest of my life? Is this what I want to become? You know, and I guess I didn't really understand this, the weight of the choices you make until I saw the results of the choices I've been making. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me. This is not what I want for me. This is not, you know, I, it took me a while to achieve diva who I am today, but I knew back then, this is certainly not the path to the ultimate person I'm going to become. And so um, I was sitting with a friend of mine and I was watching, and it's, it's like funny to me now because I'm just, you know, I'm just goofy, but I was watching uh, Tyler Perry's play, Medea Goes to Jail. And there's a scene in that play where one of the inmates was singing, oh yes, Jesus loves mm-hmm. me. And I started to cry. Wow. And my friend was like, are you crying? Like, this is not exactly a sad scene. And, you know, it's a revelation, but it's not exactly a sad scene. And I said, but no, I said, but it's a revelation for me too. Jesus does love me. Right. Now, this is some, this was such a huge moment for me because I grew up in the nation of Islam. So up until the time I was about 11 or 12, I was in the nation of Islam. But around that time, my mother discovered things in the nation that she did not agree with some things with leadership where she felt they were being manipulative, especially to women. So she got out of it. But when she did, she told me and all of my siblings that she is no longer with the nation, but she wants us to stay close to God. Find, find your own path and your develop your own relationship with God, but stick close to him. So she never really, they never, they don't really preach Jesus, but my father was a Christian. And although he wasn't very present, there were times where I would go with, with his family to church or I would go with my mother's brother to church. He, he's a, um, a pastor, my pastor, my, uh, my uncle, my uncle, Pastor Reverend, I call him. Um, it, we would go with him to his church. And um, there was just something about the energy of Christians, especially when they talk about Jesus. There was something in my spirit that would resonate with that feeling, with that name. And so, um, so from the time that we left the nation, I didn't really have any real faith or religion. Um, I just had uh, a right now faith. Uh, Lord, if you help me right now, I promise I won't da 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 da. You know, and I would da 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 later on after he got in the <laughs> right, situation. Right, you know right. how we do. You know, right. but um, I was a right now, a, a right now prayerful, you know, faith person. And so I didn't have any real religion, no real structure. Um, and so in that moment, I'm sorry, in, in between that time, um, like I said, you know, I would go go to church with my uncle and, you know, there's, there's this thing about this man named Jesus I keep hearing about, you know, and it, it just kept resonating with me. Like every time I would hear someone talk about Jesus, it, it would make me feel something, but I just wouldn't be inclined to do anything about it. I wouldn't go read. I wouldn't go research. I wouldn't go to a church. I wouldn't do any of that. But there was just something about that moment and the way she sang. I mean, uh, Cassandra, I forget her name, her last name, but she's an amazing uh singer Um, but it was just something about the way that it felt in that moment and I guess the weight of everything that I was dealing with thinking about 
I, I, I want to stop drinking. I want to stop dancing. And thinking about all those things at once in that moment, it was like she was singing to me, Jesus is the answer. Wow. That's what I was hearing, that Jesus was the answer. And so um, from then I started to begin a, a, a spiritual walk. And as the close, the more I began to look into God, the less I walked into those nightclubs. The more I looked into spirituality, the less I drank, you know, so the pivotal moment for me was literally um, a conglomerate of all those things weighing down on me in that one moment where I was just, it was heavy on me. And I, I think that's why we even watched it in the first place, because he was like, well, let's get your mind off of all this crazy stuff, you know, let's just watch something to make you laugh. And um it, it did something way deeper than that. It, it made me cry and it, it really opened my eyes to the possibility of what I can have with this man named Jesus. Can you get me out of this? People talk about you all the time, getting them out of things. Can you get me out of alcoholism? Can you get me out of this reputation of being a stripper? You know, I say exotic dancer, but I was a stripper. You know what I mean? Like, who wants to be known as a stripper? You know, uh, right. not that it's not a great industry because I, I I think there's a talent, especially to dancing on a pole. It, it requires so much. And it's actually beautiful when it's done, like, you know, artistically. But um, in any case, um, yeah, I, I didn't want that to be my legacy. I didn't want that to be what I'm known for. Um, I didn't want people to have access to that version of me. Um, so I, I had to do something about it. Man, that's crazy because, um, you know, when we, when we talk about pivotal moments, um, I had left the house and, 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 and if my siblings are watching this, they're going to be like, wow. Um, my father was, my father was an alcoholic. Okay. And my mom went to bingo. So of course, you know, it's just me and him in the house. I, I don't even remember what my brothers were. They may have been in the room, my brothers and sisters. But yet my father, he tried to cook chicken. And damn, they burnt the house down. Mm. Okay. So my mother comes home. Now, mind you, she didn't win at bingo, first of all. You know, oh. so she's already back. <laughs> and now she smells this burnt chicken. Right. And she's looking at me and looking at him. I'm like, don't look at me. I didn't cook. <laughs> so she um she uh of course she starts fussing at him now mind you you can see the burnt grease stain on the wall behind right. oh it's not like you could say oh the grease splatter it's going up the wall right wow <laughs> but my father thought that i said something and i'm like no, she can see it. We can all see it, you know. Right. <laughs> so, in and I, let me let me preface let me preface by saying this first. I grew up in church, okay, but my father said something that changed my entire trajectory forever. And we, he was like, you know, you just couldn't wait to tell your mom. You always telling this that and I'm like, I didn't say anything. And he said. I wish you were never born. And, and, and when he said it, you you we've all, you know, burnt ourselves on maybe a stove or, or something, you know, at one point. Yeah. And when he said that, it literally 
was like a hot knife going through butter. And I never forget, I walked home. Now, mind you, I, I was so upset. I walked home, but I had my car. My car was parked in front of my mom's house. But I couldn't believe that the man that I wanted to be so much like, you know, literally just said, I wish you weren't born. And I never get, I walked all the way home and my roommate was like, where's your car? I'm like, what car? I was literally just that gone. And that was the start of the downward spiral for me, because here it is. I grew up, you know, in church with my mom, grandmother, and I was always taught, you know, that Jesus is the way, but how does Jesus allow something like this to happen? And so I, I spent the next, I'm gonna say two to three years, just not even going to church. You know, Sunday was just another day as far as I was concerned. And um, I wound up, it was, it was a lady stayed across here, her name was Felicia and her boyfriend, I forgot his name, but I used to cut his hair. So, the next thing I know, this was the turning point for me. I was so far gone that I literally woke up in a room full of crackheads. Wow. Literally. And I, I never forget, I woke up, I had a room that was, uh, it was like a Chinese inspired room. Chinese uh, lady who, uh, on the house, all the rooms were, you know, different themes. Mine was Oriental, Oriental theme. And you know how you just take your arm and you put your arm over, you know, it's your bed. You know, I put my arm over, but I didn't put my arm over on the mattress. It was a body. And I'm like, oh, my, where did this lady come from? I literally was that far gone, you know. And I woke up, never forget my roommates were gone. Uh, one was in Detroit and the other one went back to New York to visit. So it was just me, you know, and I woke up and all of these people are in the house. And I'm like, now they're strung out now, you know, beautiful home. I, I, I was literally that far gone to where I had went against everything that I was taught, everything. And I never forget, I got everybody else out and I don't know if she's living or if she's dead. Um, her name was Felicia. And she, you know, she was, she was a crackhead, but she really liked me, you know. And I was able to talk to her and never forget, she said, we were sitting on, a, I guess, the porch or whatever. And she says, this is not the life for you. This is not it. She was like, she was like, the people that were in here can't be saved but this is not for you. This is not, this is not the life that you're supposed to have. And at that moment, it was like somebody, somebody loved me enough to say, get out. Whereas everybody else would just suck you in. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else was sucking me in. Like, you know, hey, you know, you know, Vanderbilt, let's do this, let's do that. You know, it was all about the good time. It was all about the acceptance. Mm -hmm. But she was the one person 
that saw, you know, this is not for you. you this is not the road you're supposed to be on. You, you got to find your way back, you know. And I never, I, I looked at it as um, Jesus was speaking through her because mm -hmm. I never saw again, mm. ever. I looked mm. for her. I, she stayed across the street, so it's not like I didn't know where she stayed. Mm -hmm. You know, we were ultimately evicted out of the home and everything. And um, so I had to move back home briefly. And, you know, which was hard, which was bad enough because I still had this resentment, you know, between me and my father. Mm -hmm. um, but she was like, you have to find your way back. This is not what you come from. So, and I never forget, it was a Sunday. Um, I actually, my car wasn't working. I literally got on the bus and I prayed all the way to my mother's house, wow. all the way, you know? And that for me was one of the pivotal moments, you know? But I would say that I would ask, that was the most pivotal because at that point, like I said, I was in the drug world at that point. Yeah. I used to, you know, I, I don't drink to this day. I, if I drink something, um, you might well just not, just, just, I'm gone. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I would drink alcohol at that time like it was water. Literally. A bottle of water could be a bottle of Crown, bottle of Jack, mm -hmm. bottle of whatever. That's just how much it didn't affect me because of the situation and stuff that I was in, you know. So, you know, it's those pivotal moments that, you know, you really have to take heed. And, and I'm so glad that we're talking about it because, once again, the point of the show is everyone has a journey and embrace your journey. And, and I, I feel like that being as transparent as we should be, you know, there's somebody that, that's saying, you know what? Wow, he's where I'm at. You know, he knows exactly where I am. Yeah. You know, he can, he can, uh, you know, I, I understand I need to talk, I need to reach out to him. You know, I really need to reach out to her um, because everyone has a journey. And sometimes our journeys are brought from such a place of, of hurt, right. you know, um, that, you know, it's, it's often the most painful journey, but it's also the most beautiful yes. um, of journeys, you know, right. because if you come out of it, if you come out of it on the other side, then it really, really can be a beautiful thing, yes. you know, and then that allows you to be able to now spread your message, right? you know, but your message comes from from you know from from a from a deep deep place um you said something here um you said that you know you wanted to be a catalyst for for healing mm -hmm. um you know and healing and changing other people's lives just just touch on that just a little bit um and also in being a catalyst for healing and change how have you 
um, how have you integrated that with your fashion sense, you know, to to actually be that be that change that people need to see? Yes, thank you. Um, wow, you you said you said so many powerful things just now. I'm 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 kind of coming down from that, but um, yes, I I, I want to be a catalyst for change. Uh, I'm I'm sorry for healing. Um, I know what it feels like to be happy. I know what it feels like to be depressed. I know what it feels like to be, um, to feel invisible. I know what it feels like to, to be, to have anxiety, to be angry, to be hurt. Um, I understand all of those things, but I also know that when you have a certain level of joy and peace within your own self, it can heal those things over time to a point where it creates a barrier where no one can penetrate that joy or that peace that you have. Mm. And if I can just help someone build a foundation for that barrier by speaking life into them, by sharing my stories, by sharing who I am and what I've been through and letting them know that if I can make it through those things and yes. grow up to be this glamorous diva that I am today, anyone can do that. And I don't say that to exalt myself. I say that to be a mascot for anyone who's been through anything. Look at what you can do. And I'm not just the example. I'm one representation of example. The example of success is everywhere and all around us. Pick anyone you want, you know, but I want to be a voice for people who are afraid to speak to those things within themselves. And in order for anyone to heal, you have to acknowledge what's hurting. You can't, you can't heal what you can't identify. That's why you go to the doctor and they say, what hurts? Tell me, tell me what's going on. They, they sit there, they have a consultation. They want you to speak to them and tell them what you're feeling. Where are you feeling this? How is it affecting you? What, what, what are you experiencing? You have to be able to identify those things. And too often people go to the doctor and they're asking, the doctor's asking all these questions and you don't share everything. How can you heal something that you're not acknowledging? So if I can be transparent enough to let other people see, wow, like you said, hopefully people identify with what I'm saying, that they're in that same place. If people can look at me and listen to me and say, wow, he, he's gone through the same thing that I've been through, but look at the joy and peace that he has in his life. Then I've done my due diligence. I've done my job. I fulfilled my purpose to open people up to vulnerability within themselves so that they can heal past it, become the hero of their own story and not have to look to others to be that for them. Right. Um, and one thing that I wanted to say, and I have to say this now before I forget, because you mentioned something about um, what, well, you know, you've spoken about your father and that he was an alcoholic and my father was a drug addict and um, how the similarities of how that affected us in different ways, I cannot imagine. I, I felt neglected by my father, but I cannot imagine looking to him and him turning around and saying something like that to me, what you heard. And so 
I said all that to say, I always think about in situations like this, and I'm saying this for someone, the spirit is telling me that someone needs to hear this. I always say in situations like this, I, I, I used to sit back and wonder, was it better that I had a father in my life who was not the father that, that I wanted? Or was, would it have been better for me to have not had him in the picture at all? Mm. For the person who is struggling with that question, it's better that he was there because whether he was good, bad, or in between, you got to see it for yourself. Right. And you don't have to wonder what that experience would have been like. Right. Absolutely. So it's those types of things that I thank God he gives me a different way of interpreting things. People tell me this all the time. They're like, I wouldn't think to, to say it or like, think of it that way. It's because we look at things from the negative so often that we miss the beauty and the positive and the opportunity that we can learn that we can learn and grow from some things and heal from some things. Absolutely. There's so much negativity. You have to fight it with positivity. It's the opposite. It's the only thing that can combat it. Right. What can you take away from this situation that can help you or just help the next person? Because it didn't help me to have a father who was there but not present. Right. But it helps me that I can interpret it in a way that I can share it with someone else. They can understand, you know what? I'm looking at this wrong. You know what? I can get through this because I have a different way of viewing it. Right. And so that's what it is for me to be a catalyst to help others heal. That's that's powerful. Um, you know, and you know, I, I tell people often, you know, you never know, you never know what a person really is going through until you actually listen to their story. Um, mm. and this really was um what the you know the lucky 25 podcast was actually created um i love that i i the results or me wanting to be accepted by my father literally played such a pivotal role in my marriage mm. you know and how I operated and how I maneuvered. You know, it wasn't until, you know, the marriage was over and she was gone that I actually looked in the mirror and didn't like that person. Wow. You know, um, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were following me on Facebook at this time, but I said, um, I woke up one morning, you, you know me, I'm Vanderbilt. I'm the, I'm the cameraman, I'm the camera guy. Yeah, yes. Yeah, always got something going on. Yes. And um, I, I, I couldn't separate John from Monsieur. Mm. They were overlapping. Wow. They were overlapping. And um, I was asked to write a book, which I'm currently, uh, in the in the works of doing now. Thank you. Awesome. Um, um, but the excerpt from the book was um, uh, one of the one of the snippets from the book was I woke up and I went to the mirror and I stopped in the bathroom mirror. I stopped looked in the mirror and I didn't see Vanderbilt. I didn't see Monsieur. I saw the same boy that have been trying to get acceptance all of these years. 
Wow. And at that moment, um, I hated the boy in the mirror because he was crying and I didn't know how to stop it. Like I said, Vanderbilt, Monsieur, all of those titles, that's when the light was on, but now that the light is off, now reality is here, you know, and I literally, I, I, never, I never forget this, and I, I, I cried when I wrote it. I said, um, I wanted to kill the person in the mirror. I wanted to kill the person in the mirror because I hated that person. That person was so far gone, right? And I, I, I planned it from the pills, to the alcohol, to even how they were gonna find me. And at that moment, nearly at that moment, I knew I, I knew something had to change. Diva, when I tell you, I had never cried like this before. Like, literally had never cried like this. And I'm like, you have to really, really have, you know, I, I, one of my one of my missions and one of my one of my uh, MCS my mission is to really, really preach the importance of mental health. Like I said, when the when the camera, when the lights come on, and the camera's on, there's none better. It's none better. I'm, I'm in a space where I can't be touched. But when the lights are off and the camera has gone, the, the curtain has gone down, the camera's no longer on. Do I like waking up to that person mm -hmm. every day? Mm -hmm. And I had got to the point to where I'm no longer to wake, I'm no longer to wake up to that person because no matter what was going on, the only thing I saw was the little boy crying in the mirror. That's all I saw. Um, so being a being a catalyst, um, wow, uh, for healing is is so so important because and, and one of the things and we have to we have to understand where the hurt comes from before we can even heal. Yes, right. You know, because as you're the catalyst for healing, and so am I, if we don't recognize and acknowledge where the hurt has come from, mm -hmm. and now that you've acknowledged where the hurt has come from, being able to heal Yes. Otherwise, the people that we call ourselves being catalysts for, we're actually, we're not healing them, we're hurting them because we're talking to them or we're being, we're being a catalyst from a place of hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're just continuing the cycle. Right. Like they say, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people, yep. <laughs> you know, 
hurt people hurt people. Yeah. You know, so um, when you mentioned Catalyst for Change, that was really, really important because, like I said, when I really put, you know, the whole Lucky 25 platform together, it really is, it started from my journey of recognizing where the hurt was, mm-hmm. not only recognizing where it was, but acknowledging it and absolutely as painful as it was embracing the hurt because you have to take it in you have to internalize it as right. hurtful as it is yeah um you have to take it in and you have to process it and say okay now i have to come on this other side mm-hmm. now i have to get to this other side and in and, and getting to that other side you have to peel back layer after layer after layer to get to the root of right, the problem right. and the root of the hurt. And then once you do that, it's like I've heard I've heard shooters say that, you know, sometimes when you know they have those moments when they shoot and they just can't miss. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get on the other side, that's what it's like. Because now every you you see everything totally different at this point you know everything become clear um i know you're you're a very spiritual person and and so am i um there's nothing that i'm doing now and i'm more than sure you feel the same way there's nothing that i'm doing now that god is not at the center or in control amen if and, and and I had, I had a friend of mine tell me this when she asked me about the podcast and I told her um, what each letter meant. She said, well, no, you might want to change that because the U is for union. And I said, you have to have a union with yourself. Most importantly, you have to have a union with God. Yes, if you sir. can't have one, you know, with yourself and most importantly with God, then how can you be in a, how can you be in a union with anybody else? That's whether you're in relation, personal relationships, professional relationships, you know, whether you've been a motivational speaker or anything, mm-hmm. if you don't have that union of self, mm-hmm. then how could you be in a union with someone else? And she was like, no, no, you have to change that. You can't say that. I'm like, you're missing my point. This platform was based off of my journey. And I want people to take, to be able to walk in that journey and be able to share their own journey with me, you know, with me and with the audience. Now, if a person doesn't believe that to each his own, mm-hmm. but I can't, I can't start something and not acknowledge who's at the center. Right. Amen. I can't, I can't operate that way. Um, so needless to say that, you know, that person is kind of no longer around which, you know, I, I asked God to remove certain people, you know, that were not aligned you know, with, you know, with what I saw, my values and the way I wanted to walk. Um, And I know you're the same and I know you're the same way. Um, Let's kind of shift a little bit. I want to stay there, but I want to shift to uh, what was your, what was your motivation in wanting to deal with the young people? Uh, Yes. Okay. So, um, when I think about where I think would have been some moments that could have shifted me into 
more positive directions or that could have propelled me into my purpose, excuse me, my purpose sooner. Mm -hmm. I think about moments where I fell into darkness and it was all in my younger years. You know, I, I spent all of my younger years in darkness and then the beginning of my um, prime years trying to claw out of darkness. And now I'm finally at these past few years, I've been at a place where I've healed over so many from so many things and I can speak to those things and help others. So when I think about who 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 would I want to target most? Who would I want to speak to most? I would want to be able to catch people while they're young, not necessarily before they go through some of these things, because I, I just don't have, I don't know how to speak to it in that capacity. Um, God is going to bless the world or has blessed the world with people who can and who do. But for me, it's, it's being able to speak to people who are at that age where things happen to me, because I understand um, I, I can I can speak to that to that that age group a little better. Um, I can speak to to the age group of um, you know the really fifteen to forty year olds who okay. have been through something who are who are maybe haven't been through some things, but I can I can speak to them so that they're aware of these things. I can speak to them so that they know how to handle some of these things as they come. Um, I can speak to the ones who who in that group um, have already been through things, but may not know how to navigate healing or how to navigate um, just wanting to stay alive. You know, because there's so many people in this age group who are like, you know what, I'm kind of tired of going through all these things. Something's right. got to change, right. you know, and then back to that man in the mirror thing. Um, my pastor preached on the man, uh, the man in the mirror recently, and he preached from the perspective of we look at the mirror and just like you were saying, we see something that we don't like. Right. But more often than not, we're waiting on that image to change. We're waiting on that image to change when we haven't changed anything here. Mm. This is a reflection so if nothing changes here, 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 that's going to look the same. You know, so you don't like this, you got to change something here. So that means turning and walking away from that mirror and looking around you and saying, what about this? My world needs to be different. Absolutely. And the young people, um, which I, I typically like to speak to as, as young as high school, middle school, I just don't know how to connect with them babies. They, they just look different. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember half of my life around that age. So I don't know how to talk to them. But <laughs> but I, I definitely know that high school is, is the biggest moment of yes. almost any and everyone's life. Yes. And I, I, I love being able to connect with people um, around that age because they're discovering their gifts and talents. They're, they're, they, they're, they're looking at who they want to be for the rest of them, for the rest of their lives. You know, in, in middle school, you're not really conscious of those things. You, you just want to be older, you know, but yeah. once you start getting older, you're like figuring out, okay, who am I going to be? You know, I'm in high school. What, what, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Do people like me? Do people not like me? Navigating all of those things. So if I can catch people at that age before they become, before they begin to become the person they're going to be for the rest of their lives, oh my God, I wish, I wish that I had enough people in my life to do that for me. Right. You know, we have people around us all the time who are examples of good things, examples of bad things. But do you understand how to process? 
what's good, what's bad. You understand how to separate. You understand how to how to uh, take those negative things and look at the positive things within them. And if I can do that for this current generation to help us heal, um, those who are millennials, and then help the generation coming after my generation, that would be incredible. That's what I've been designed to do. That's why God has made me so... Um, that's why he designed me the way he did. I'm not going to go into all that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that you said that because um, one thing you well, you didn't you didn't say it, but you 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 uh, you pointed to it, you know. And and a good friend of mine and I we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, once you're able to process it up here, mm -hmm. um, you know you can you can make superficial changes. Yes. Okay. You can make superficial changes, but until the healing, like you said, starts in here and most importantly up here, because as much physical weight or as much physical burden that we carry, mm -hmm. our mental weight is Absolutely. actually at the at the forefront of everything. So if you haven't changed your mindset. Mm -hmm. then really you're just spinning your wheels because the, right. and that and that comes and that's not just in terms of weight loss mm -hmm. that's in terms of how you think how you act how you move how you talk right. um you know our mental capacity or our mental compasses are so far off mm -hmm. you know that and, and it's not in in half the time we don't even realize how off we are until okay. we have that moment where we're where we're almost forced to sit back mm -hmm. and like, oh wait, I've been moving like this. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait a minute. No, I've been moving like yeah. this. Right. You know, so it's like I, like we always say those aha moments, mm -hmm. right? Where you just realize that you weren't moving with you 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 were moving but you weren't moving with the correct energy right with the connect purpose yeah you know? um so and especially with our young kids um especially with you know social media and you know and things of that nature you know um you know i'm i'm older than you so back then we didn't have social media you know mm -hmm. social media maybe had just you know become the start start getting popular right but, we didn't have we didn't have that you know so our our young kids are under so much pressure yes now you know like i i, I you know even with my even with my daughter you know my daughter's 22 you know and one day i, I just asked her people like how are you and she said daddy why are you always asking me how am, how am i doing <laughs> i said because I don't think you really understand the pressure of what y'all really have to face. You know, mm -hmm. I say that to say there was a young lady, started my, my, my daughter's age, who felt like she didn't have nobody to talk to. She killed herself. Wrote a whole letter about, you know, how, and, and, and I'll tie all this in, how she felt she always had to be the strong one, you know, 
for everybody. But when it came time for someone to be strong for her, it was nobody there. Yeah. You know, um, she was raised in church, but her biggest spiritual influence was her grandfather. Mm. So when her grandfather passed, mm. now the spiritual compass is gone. It's gone. So this is a 22-year-old baby that's trying to navigate through all of this. And then on top of that, she was, a, she was a, I want to say she was, a, she was a cheerleader, I want to say. Uh, matter of fact, for Southern University. Um, I think either she was either cheer or dance. So now you have the pressure of being in the public eye and, and, and having to perform and, and constantly be sharp all the time. And Diva, when I read the note, it broke me because I'm a parent. Literally broke me. I have a 22 it's in the next room. You know, so I could not imagine that baby not having somebody to talk to. And then being able to write everything out. And this is it. You know, um, so I asked both of my kids, like every time I see them, you know, how y'all doing? What's going on? Dad, we're okay, you know. But yeah. I have to ask that because, like you said, you know, the 15-year-olds, you know, they're just starting to come into their own and find out, finding out their gifts and they're starting to make their way, you know. So now they got, and so they got the pressures of being in high school, then, you know, if it applies, getting ready for college, you know. And then now you're going from being in college to becoming a young adult, you know, going into adulthood. Right. You know, and so all of these things are, are, are piled up and this is why, and this is my personal opinion, this is why I feel like a lot of the, the suicide rate in, in these children are so high because they don't have that person to say, I need help. This is bothering me. Yeah. You know, I tell both of my kids. I don't care what time of day it is. I could be knocked out to the world. If it's somebody tap me, I, I wake up cross-eyed or whatever the case may be, you know, but you let me know what's going on. You know, yeah. I don't want any kid, you know, especially mine, to feel like they can't talk to someone. I have kids now that this phone here stays on 24-7. They can call me at any time, any given time. I don't care if it's just, if, if they just want to pick up the phone and just know that somebody's on the other end, right. you could pick it up. Um, so going back to being, well, let me say this, you know, I heard you say 15 to 40. So I, I guess you can't mention me because I'm older than that. Ah, I don't usually listen, but <laughs> that that's the main group. That's the main group that that is. And, and I, I usually say 15 to 40 because those are the ones who are um, in in these larger roles that are still trying to navigate them or about to, you know, step start stepping into roles that they had to learn how to navigate for the first time in their lives. Um, typically, by the time people get 50, 60, you 
I mean, you, you've either done everything you're going to do or you're resting in what you're going to do and you, you have a hold of it, you know, but that's not to say that people in those age groups don't need someone, a voice like mine, you know, so I'm definitely here to speak to any and all um, masses, but those are the ones that I target because if I can catch you that young, by the time you get to these ages where you should be living the best parts of your lives, yeah. that you you're you're fully well rounded. Yeah. Well, um, you're gonna be my you're gonna be my life coach, and I'm gonna bug you. I got like, you. I got I, you. You'll be like, uh, Monsieur, like this is the third time. <laughs> like, really, what's going on? I'm gonna bug you forever today. Right. I no. got. And, and and just really quick, I also mm. look at because like this is like maybe the third or fourth time that you've referenced your age, and I'm still like, wait, I forget that you're 50. You know what I mean? Like, I forget that you're even up there you know but yeah. because it, age it truly is a number you know so it, it's yeah. more so about state of mind and where you are yeah. in your life and what you what you dream to accomplish how long you plan on being here yeah. to do what you want to do to get there you know so life happens and and um reinvents at all ages oh yeah absolutely so um i honestly don't like usually putting an, an age on anything but when I typically speak, it's it's generally those age groups. Yeah, I it, it's you know I reference I, at now, I seem to reference my age more now, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because, you know, I have to say I have a twenty two year old daughter, and a nineteen matter of fact, my son will be nineteen next week, and uh, Lil Vanderbilt. Yeah. Oh my God! Yes. I was gonna ask about him when we got off this call. Yes, he, <laughs> will, be, he will be nineteen. Uh, wow. And um, you know. When I'm talking to people and I've been on different podcasts and, you know, and I'll mention the fact that I have a 22 year old daughter and they're like, wait a minute, how old are you? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, I'm I'm up there, you know, (laughs) but I also like the fact that people think that I'm young enough, you know, to where they can resonate with me, you know. They know, not that they know the age number, but it's like, wait a minute, he don't act like most 50 year olds I know. Right. You know, he acts young. Well, I have, a, you know, I have a 22 and 18, a 19, almost 19 year old. They keep me on my toes, right. you know. So I'm able to, even though I'm at this age, you know, of this number, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still young enough because I have young kids, you know, in, in that age bracket that I could still relate, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we could, yeah, we could talk, we could talk Vanderbilt, yeah, Vanderbilt, cool, you know, right. which right. I thought I'm, I'm glad I'm able to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and because, I mean, you know, I don't want someone to feel like, oh, well, he, oh, God, he's 50, you know, he's gonna talk to me like, like, like I'm his grandpa, like he's my grandpa, you know, no, right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm able to do that, um, so, but, and I think that, that, I, and when I said that to say this, I think, especially with, with you and I, I think you have to, I think that's a gift. Everyone can't relate to, or everyone can't talk to yes. the masses. Right. Okay. You know, everyone can't do that. You know, I don't look at that, excuse me, I actually look at that as a gift. You know, you have a gift of being able to reach people. Um, real quickly, shout outs to uh, Dr. Dr. Duncan, by the way. Um, 
I never saw this platform. Never saw this. She did. She said, I see you speaking to people. I, people are drawn to you. I'm like, I'm just a cameraman, you know? <laughs> she said, no, you, you, have the, you have the ability that people want to talk to you. She saw this podcast way before I did. She literally saw it when I told her about it. She was like, I told you, you know, you just didn't listen, you know? So mm-hmm. as I started doing it, I started to accept it as my gift. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the camera. You know that. Yeah. I love what I do. Right. But as I've started this, I really feel like this is what, like you say, God has designed us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I am more than, I'm, I'm more happier now with just being able to talk to someone and be able to identify where they are and help them navigate right. where they want to go as much as I do with turning on the camera now. Right. You know, it's not that I don't love the camera. That's my first love because that's, that's how I started. But mm-hmm. I feel like my purpose, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between a talent and a purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like my purpose is being able to help people navigate in the direction that they need to go. You know, mm-hmm. just listening to you and, and now understanding the journey, you know, what you have is a gift, you know, and you were able to recognize the gift. Most people have gifts and we don't recognize them, mm-hmm. you know, or we recognize our gifts and we run away yeah. from our gift. You know, fashion aside, we all know you can dress. We know this. Damn it, you have on Chanel right now, you know. you know but your gift is being able to motivate people and help them navigate in such a way that they can't get that from let's say their mother or father you know even a sibling yeah that's really a gift Mm -hmm. um you know, so, uh, you know, aside from everything else, you know, I definitely applaud that. Because once again, there are not many people who recognize their gift right. and then begin to walk into it. Absolutely. Walk yeah. with, you know, there's as many people who don't recognize the gift, first of all, but then mm-hmm. when they do recognize the gift, they don't walk in it. Right. You know, they don't walk with the gift that God has placed within them. Mm-hmm. I literally said this morning, there's, I say, I say, God, you know, you have designed me in such a way that I know I can't do anything without you. Mm-hmm. Allow me, allow me to be the gift. Right. Everything I'm doing, this is, I'm, I'm all of my steps are ordered. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is walk. Walking, I'm just walk. I don't have to do anything else, right? You know, um, 
when I start and, and I'll come right back to you. When I started this, when when I, you know, for those who do know, when the hospital uh spent five months in the hospital with COVID, lost my ability to walk, had to learn how to walk again, rehab, a whole nine. And I didn't know what I was gonna do. Once again, you know me. I'm the man with the camera. Mm. I've shot you, the house of Remy Toe, everybody, you know. So to have all that taken away, I just couldn't understand it. So I'm having a talk to God one day. And I say, look, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't, I don't know anything else. The camera is what I know. You know, that was my comfort zone. God said this, I'll get you back to that. But before I bring you back to this, I need you to do this. If you do this first, you do this first, then I'll bring you back. That's how it goes, the prerequisites. Yeah, and I'm like, man, I don't want to Lord, me, come on now. I know people like me and all that. You know, I'm all right. You know, <laughs> but I ain't, I don't know. You know, right. and, 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 I, I, and I, I, I said it to say this. I knew I was on the right path, Diva. Um, at work, on the phone, a young lady, and she said, you know how you can hear that something just ain't right for a person. You can hear that their voice you know, the whole tone and everything. And I'm like, are you okay? And yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, okay. So I'm explaining, you know, talking about their build and, you know, what they could do and all these other things. But I could really feel in my spirit that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm shifting now from talking about the bill to really making sure she's okay before we get off the phone. Wow. You know, and company policies, you know, you're not supposed to give your number out and all this other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but she said, she said, I really, really enjoy talking to you. She said, you know, I have come to find out her husband of 19 years had passed away, you know, things were slowly starting to come out. And, you know, I gave her a scripture and everything, one that helps me. And um, I told her everything was going to be okay. You know, she may not, she may not see it right now, but everything will be okay. And she said, well, can I, she said, go, can I have your number just in case I need a, you know, a good word, you know, I could reach out. I said, of course. So I gave her the number. Now I went back to work, didn't think nothing of it. You know, right. my whole day was over with, night over with. I'm ready to go to bed. I'm laying in the bed. It's around mm-hmm. 10.30, almost 7 o'clock. My phone rings. And that was a number I didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. I started not to answer. But right. I said, let me answer it anyway. So I said, hello, this is Mr. Vanderbilt. I said, yeah, this is Vanderbilt. She said, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for, 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 um, for yesterday, I mean, for, for, for the, uh, earlier today. And I said, oh, no problem. But I was still not fully aware of who it was. You know, okay, I right. talk to people all day long. <clears throat> right. You know? So I'm like, I just said thank you really just to get the lady off the phone. Right. <laughs> I'm like, it's 1030 at night. I got to be working the morning. This lady, come on. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. She said, right. no, no, no. She said, I really have to thank you. So I'm like, who is this? She said, this is Michelle. I'm like, Michelle. 
I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, you're very welcome. I, you know, no problem at all. I said, you know, I told you if you ever needed me, just call, you know, for whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This lady said, you don't understand. She said, I was going to end it all before I called you. And I... It's it's almost eleven o'clock at night. I'm like, okay, you know. I said, I said, okay. She said, no, no, no. She said, I had the gun on the table. Wow. And I'm like, okay. Um, So at that point, you know. Now, mind you, when we talked earlier you know, I told her about the podcast because I was just trying to take her mind off of everything that was going on. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. She said, oh, I love the idea. Blah. And so we get to the conversation at night. She's like, I had the gun on the table. I was ready to go. And she said, the only reason I called you was because my daughter went into the kitchen to cook. And when she went to turn the stove on, all it did was click. So that means her gas wasn't on. So she mm-hmm. had to call me. And I was like, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Wow. She said, she said, my daughter, she said, if my daughter would not have even gone into the kitchen, she said, it, it was over. She was telling me she was talking about the, you know, the antidepressants and everything she was on. And you know, you you at that point you're no longer a customer service. Yeah. At that point, you yeah. know, when a person's got that kind of burden on them, you're mm-hmm. no longer a customer service rep. Right. You know, you know, the spirit had led me a whole another way. Yeah. At that point, and she said, "I just want to say thank you because," and I it was crazy because. She said, I actually had it caught. She had it planned. And I said, well, I'm so glad that you didn't, you know. So I even more so I said, listen, if it even remotely gets to that point, call me. You know, I never want a person to feel like that. So soon I got the phone, I was like, you know, God, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? It, it is, you know, is this, is this the direction that I'm really supposed to go in? So now my approach to every person I've talked to, and we said this earlier, you never know what a person is going through. Right. You never know, you know, if, if her daughter would not have gone into the kitchen to cook whatever, that would have been somebody who killed themselves. And, and, you know, and I told her, I don't know what a person does to get to that point. You know, I've had suicidal thoughts before, but when it doesn't happen, there's a reason why you're here for a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. You're here for a greater purpose. Right. You have, there, there's something else that you're supposed to be doing. Right. You know, and I and I told her that and she um she's she's watching the podcast now. Um oh, awesome. 
yeah, she, you know, she'll say, you know, she'll tell me, like, she say, she, she, one thing she says, you know, say you touch your face too much. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's just, <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's a habit. <laughs> so she'll reach out and say, you know, you, you keep touching your face. I'm like, that's a habit. I don't know. You know, right. but I'm, I'm glad that she's here to tell me that, you know, then for her to not be here and who knows what light would have been dimmed at that point. Wow. Amen. You know? Um so with, with that being said, um and I want to stay on the whole catalyst of um healing and changing young people's lives. What are some of the things that you're doing with with our youth? Uh because you, you said something and it's all over your website, you know, the motivational makeover. Um, yes. Yeah, the motivational makeover. And, and before you get into that, you know, I really want you to touch on because we were talking before we came on, and I was telling you about the videos. You know, I still have all the stuff that we shot together, and you were telling me that you found your brand identity in a video that we did. Um, just let let everybody know. You know, first, just you know, just talk about the video and let everybody know how that whole moment came about where you really found out how you what in what brand and direction that you were supposed to go in. Yes. Okay. So um, I, I I was going through rebranding because um, I didn't have a real concept the first time that I started my business. I just started it. And I was like, I'm going to help whoever needs to be helped. And I'm going to do whatever, go wherever God tells me to go. And I'm going to do it all, you know? And I'm like, well, what does that look like? You know, mm -hmm. everyone is called to a certain type of people. Um, although, although the, the, um, the breath of what you do will spill over to others who, who maybe fall outside of that realm. But for the most part, everyone's called to a certain type of people for a certain type of purpose. Right. And um, I, I was, I was, toiling with that. I'm like, well, what is, what is going to be my brand? You know, what's, what's my thing? Because I, I love artistry. I love the idea of drawing people in with the concept. I didn't have any of that, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm fashionable, you know, I love fashion, you know, but how can you turn fashion into motivation? That doesn't even make sense, you know? And so, um, you know, unless people just care about fashion, but not everyone does, you know, so how do you, how do you turn that around? How do you incorporate that? Mm -hmm. So I was, I went back and looked at this video that we recorded um, when we were going to send uh, a video of motivation to Africa. And um, we were working with Remy Toe and he spoke and then business manager spoke and then they wanted me to say something. And as I'm sitting there listening to them, I was always getting on him about speaking to his brand, speak to your brand, speak to your brand, because right. As the creative director, that's my job to make sure that you're brand conscious, you know, Absolutely. everything you do points back to that. So I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not doing it. And so it was my turn to speak. And without thinking, I did first of all, they just threw me in there. You know, I didn't know that I was gonna do it anyway. And I'm like, this is going to Africa. Like, can you give me a moment? You know, give me like five minutes. To I remember that too. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. They were like, well, we're going to record the video. I'm like, well, you're ready because you know, this is your brand, but Jesus, right. you know, give me a moment. So, <laughs> um, but I, I pride myself in being um, a, a linguist of the heart. That's a, a phrase that I've coined because yes. 
um, like you were speaking, God has given me the gift to just be able to connect and speak to people on all levels from all different walks of life. Mm -hmm. And I love that about myself. I love that I, I have that type of consciousness to care enough to speak to people who I may not know or, or understand. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about that in that moment. And I'm like, well, they want me to say something. This is going to Africa. I don't know you know, what type of African people these are. I don't know if they know English. I don't know, you know, I know that they're young people. That's all that I know. Right. And so being conscious of the brand, but also wanting to say something meaningful and bring it back to motivating young people without thinking, I just said, although we are a fashion brand, we're all about fashioning yourself with tools of survival, fashion yourself with morals, fashion yourself with education, and I went on and on. And as I'm watching this back, this was two years after we recorded that. I'm watching it back. And I'm like, oh my God, that's my brand. Fashioning, fashioning young people with tools of soul. That's it. That's how I create fashion. I can still be me. I can still allow my fashion to be whatever it is. And instead of it being a distraction, it is now the focus of how we get into healing and change and and creating this world of positivity for ourselves so that we can grow and become the, the best versions of ourselves possible. So that's that was like a it, it was it was was so I don't know it was so God, you know, because it was random that I even went through the archive of things that we had done and right. found that video. But I thank God for it because it really, really gave me a concept and it gave me something that I can use that makes it interesting and fun for me while also serving God. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. You know, someone asked me in a podcast show before they said, um, they said, well, how do you discover your purpose and your brand? Um, it, was, it was more so about business. They were like, how do you discover your purpose and your brand when you have so many gifts and talents? And I said, that's an excellent question. The thing is, you have to focus on what people speak to in you the most. And in addition to that, what resonates the most with you? Right. When just like for you, you didn't know that this was something that you loved, which I love the concept of the lucky 25, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank Incredible. You. Definitely in your lane. But it's something that you didn't know you had or, or you didn't know that was valuable to you and for other people until you did it. You just did it. Right. You know, and sometimes there are those things inside of us that people notice and they speak to. And that may be the most special thing, but we don't do it because we're used to this. You know, I was always singing. I was used to singing and dancing. So that's what I did. That's what I focused on. But the moment that I had a platform to speak to young people, and I was actually a part of a step team for my church. And we went to step at another church. And this, this girl came up to me. She was about 14 or 15 years old. And she said, what you said in between you guys stepping really did something for me. She said, it made me want to get closer to God, your passion for what you do, um, what you had to say. I believed you that you cared. She said these things to me, young girl, 14, 15 years old. You know, and I was in my, I was in my early to mid twenties, but it did something for me because I was like, that's the type of connection you want with people. Absolutely. When you're in your lane, when you're in your purpose, when you're doing the things that you were born and meant to do, you get that feedback that that confirms for you, yes, this is right, this is correct, go with that, you know, and so um, 
they kind of brought me into where I am now and what I'm doing now. You know, my um, my platform is, you know, do your do your young people, do your, does your, your organization, whoever your people are, your flock, do they need a motivation makeover? Because everyone's preaching success, success, success. Awesome, yes, we should constantly be speaking about success, but don't forget about survival. If you cannot survive what life has thrown at you, how can you reach success? If you can't navigate the things that you're going through, if you, if you don't know how to internalize them, if you don't know how to interpret um, pain into power, if you don't know how to do any of those things, how can you reach the success? And so that's what I'm all about. I'm all about tools of survival. So that's my platform. The motivation makeover is the mindset. It's about um, understanding who you are, where you are, where you want to be, and how to get there. Um, I have two workshops that I have finally completed and I'm super excited to present, um, which, which I've, I've used them a couple of times, but uh, I have two workshops, uh, wardrobe workshops, I call them, because um, again, in, in keeping with fashion, I'm all about styling the mind, styling your character. You know, you by styling, I mean, with style, with fashion, you're able to take off pieces that you don't want to wear and put on pieces you do want to wear. So such as life with, I mean, such as the same with, um, with, with who we are as people, you're able to remove negative things from your mind and your heart and your spirit that you don't want and deposit good things, positive things, powerful things that you need to help you, that you want to help you. I can remove I can remove anxiety. I can remove depression. I can remove sadness. I can remove feeling lonely. I can remove those things with me and replace them with joy, replace them with peace, replace them with, with uh, self-awareness, self-love, positive self-talk, good morals, good values, so that I treat people nicely and I get that same type of energy back. Um, removing negative thoughts from myself and negative thoughts about other people that, that I shouldn't be thinking. You know, wh why should I care if someone is ashy? Pull some lotion out of your purse, out of your backpack, out of your pocketbook and give it to this person and help them out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's things like that. And that, that's such a, you know, a corny little funny little thing. But it, it's the same thing with anything. You know, we talk about people for not being at certain places in life. Have you talked to them? Do you know why they are where they are? Maybe if you lend an ear to them, you can find out what's going on with them. You can be a catalyst for their change in their life. You know, but and that's just being a linguist of the heart. I don't care about the circumstance I care about the person because the circumstance can change and given the right tools the person can change the circumstance Absolutely. you know well, let me let me say this you know uh diva's being quite modest about that day that we shot the video okay it really is okay he's being real modest let me tell you exactly what happened because see he was the creative director <laughs> but I'm the media director so I'm the one that's right. capturing everything okay right and we were both having issues with you know one of the people not sticking to what the the what the what the message was you know we were like why, why right. are you on camera blah, blah. you know so <laughs> now if, I, I wish I could share the video, but it's in my phone. As a matter of fact, I haven't pulled up. I just don't know how to share it. But right, this is what Diva said. Okay, we because we because <laughs> we because I was setting up lights. Chris was there. We were setting up lights and everything. And right. this is what Diva said. And he had his hands, you know, in, in front of him. And yes. <laughs> oh, I said, okay, so we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna count down three two, one, and then we actually changed the order because Remy originally was on the end mm -hmm. and Diva was in the middle. So we were like, no, no, no. Well, 
creative director, said, no, well, Remy is the brand. So we need to put him in the middle and we're gonna put her over here and I'm gonna be over here. So right. this is before we shot. This is what <laughs> he said. He said, Lord, watch how I carry this video. Then the <laughs> I said to myself, I said, okay. So I'm, <laughs> I I'm, <did. laughs> I'm listening to I'm listening to everyone say what they had to say, right? And now to, to his credit, to his credit. <laughs> Remy is not really the wordsmith or the spoken person. He's he's the he's the visual. Okay, right. you know you 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 dress him, you style him, and he will go out there and deliver. Okay, so yeah. when it came to speaking, that's not his forte. Okay, mm -hmm. the business manager. Well, that's another story. We're not going so. When it's Diva's turn, <laughs> when I tell you it was like standing room only, I'm sitting there like this. <laughs> I like that. I wish we could cut their parts out and just send that. Right. <laughs> you know, because now, now, not only are we a brand, I'm like, oh, he's going all out. He <laughs> I look at that video because that was actually one of the i want to say one of the last videos we shot together i think so but it was honestly the most fun i'm gonna right. lie because yeah. it was it was really one of those situations where it was kind of thrown together at the last minute the last idea and right. we were like wait when well, no we should remember remember we were in and we want to shoot another spot and then we move everything to another room. Right. You know, right. The yeah. creative director had to have everything their way. Everything their way. Okay. No, I don't know. The light is see the light is up here. And it's just yeah, you gotta catch the lighting. I'm like, yeah. Uh. So now Chris and myself have to unpack all have to pick up all the all the equipment that we had, and now we gotta move it. So it was cool. But it was, it was it, but it was it was something because and I, I'm 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 dead serious when I say this. There were a lot of challenges that day. Okay. A lot of challenges that day. Yes, there were. But when the camera was when the camera got cut on and we said action, all deal, all <laughs> When I tell you all world, wow. I did. I mean, every word, everything was you know was spoken with intent, and I'm like, damn, that was good. I'm <laughs> like, I don't even want because I I never get Remy said, well, well, well uh, Vanderbilt, when are we gonna uh, when are we gonna edit it? And I wanted to say so bad, we really could just cut y'all parts out, <laughs> just you know put just the logo, and just have him talk because. Right. What y'all said would, would, wasn't it, you know. Right. <laughs> but I look at that video often, and I also told you about the pictures and stuff that I found. Um, but that speaks to, that also speaks to what you're doing now. And when I say consummate professional, like we literally, what I, if y'all just had to be there, when I tell y'all it was challenges that day. <laughs> It was challenges that day, you know, 
from you know we had sound over here that was hollow it, oh it, it was challenging that it was challenging that day but when i when when the camera was cut on and the lights were on when i tell you as polished as in first class that that you could be wow. a1 and it's always been that way um with wow. you and one i'll never forget we, we shot a video uh we were shooting on the other side of career gear where the uh where the not where, where the uh where the clothes and stuff were and diva has so much to say it, we shot so many takes <laughs> because he was like no you're not walking straight <laughs> I, need to come this, I need you to do this and i'm like yes he did just do that <laughs> he did. and i'm like so we 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 have we got like 32 tapes right <laughs> and, and and the the whole the whole take of the whole bit may have been 30 seconds but we right. did it 32 times right <laughs> all because he wasn't satisfied <laughs> but you know what i i deeply appreciate you going into that into those depths of what it took that day and what we went yes. through that day Yes. And, and, and I, I truly thank you for using the term consummate professional, because I, I truly do consider myself to be a professional. When you do something that other people are going to view and you expect them to get something from it, you expect them to feel something, you expect them to learn something, to, to gather something from it, it must be in decency and in order. Absolutely. It must be the best that it can be. That's not to say that it has to be serious and stark. No, it's supposed to be effervescent. It's supposed to be full of life and full of energy. You're supposed to bring um, the vision and the, and the excitement of the, of, 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 the, of the vision that you have behind an ideal right. to fruition. You're supposed to do all those things, but do it in a way that is professional professionally fun, professionally funny, professionally, you know, walking down the hall, whatever you're doing, do it in a way that looks fun and exciting and that people can take you seriously because you took it seriously, you know? And so I, I carry that into every facet of my life. And um, it, it's so funny because uh, I look back and I, I say, God, I've done all these things to help other people. And I've been in, in all these supportive roles and I've I've been a creative director and I've helped with runway shows and you know videos and different things like this. And I'm like, you know, when is my time? And he said, I needed you to do all of those things. Right. So that you know what it's like on that other side. Right. You know what it's like to be the brand and standing in front of the camera, but you need to know what it's like on that other side, how it's supposed to look from the outside. And so utilizing all those things, that's what you saw when the camera was on me. You know, you saw what I've been what I've been doing my whole life before that moment. But all those things, me being, you know, being, me being the creative director, I really, really had to um, ha had to learn how to navigate that that side of the world so that I know how to direct people when I am the brand again. You know, when, when I'm back up there, me, well, now that I'm back up there again as, as, as the brand, you know, with me being the brand now, I know what I need from, from my teams, you know, so um, it, it's, it, it's so funny to hear all of that, but it's, it's incredibly um, uplifting too. So thank you. <laughs> and and, and, and I'll, I'll send you, well, no, you actually, you should have most of them, but we actually shot um okay let me let me say this about let me say this about deep let me say this if there's one thing out of place we have to start over 
if they when I get there, and, and this was I remember it like it was yesterday. And this was like this had to be what two three years ago. <laughs> we were shooting, and like I said, we, we, we were using both sides of career gear that day, and we're on the other side. So D was like, "Let me see that." So I play it back. No, wait, that's not right. Wait, <laughs> wait move this and then move this, and I'm like. <laughs> we didn't move that in the beginning right so then we'll start over so remy would start like back toward where the i think where the suits are it was a certain position where the rack was and right. so he's walking again so now d was next to me i'm behind the camera d was next to me <laughs> wait up stop <laughs> all of the belts are black but this one is turned brown <laughs> Who is going to see that? Baby, somebody going to clock us and then my name is not going to be attached to it. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not I'm not frustrated. I'm not mad because I, I know right. how he is, right? right? But yeah. I'm just saying but that that just goes back to <laughs> the professional. Like it was it was hilarious. I have all 30 something takes and it was <laughs> And I'm gonna say of the 30, I'm gonna say just say 30. He right. found something wrong, <laughs> 29 of them. <laughs> and then we finally got 30 right. And That's I never funny. get, I say, is this it now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this, this meets this meets the creative director's approval. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I'm glad it meets your approval, sir. Yes. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, that but once again, that just goes into you know, the consummate professional. Um, we actually shot a couple of videos, I think, where you weren't there. Um, and you could tell the difference. Right. You know, you literally could tell the difference, not just from you physically being there, mm -hmm. but the attention to detail. Right. And, and different things, you know, like I, we shot one at somewhere, I forgot where we were. And I know you would have noticed the business manager in the shadow, in the mirror. I right. know you would have seen it. So <laughs> I didn't, and I saw it after we shot it, we shot it again, but yeah. I would have not shot a whole minute and 30 seconds. Right. Even would have stopped it at 10 seconds. Wait, 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 wait. And if you ever noticed, since he's been on his podcast, he points with that finger <laughs> and his hand always is like this. So right. when, when he talks and he uses his hand and he's got a point, he knows there's something wrong. Yeah. So it but it just it just goes to to it says to how well we worked together. And you know, the whole thing was to put the best brand, you know, the best brand forward at, at all times. So um, you know, with definitely what you're doing now, I know that everything is top notch. That's probably why he haven't asked me to be on his team because as he said, oh man, you know, uh, you know let me see, he was okay. You know, no. <laughs> you know yeah, that's why that's why he hasn't called me to do anything. You know, that is not true, America. Okay. Okay, you know, I you know, I'm, I'm glad we had our fun while it lasted. You know? <laughs> and 
and now I'm no longer needed, you know. Oh my goodness. I'm no longer needed. I just, you know, I would just be, I would be happy if I just was called to just take a couple of pictures. That's all. Oh, we 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 still have collaborations to do, trust. That's all I'm saying. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to be the I don't want to be the camera guy, you know. Right. <laughs> you know what? Uh, monsieur, I need three pictures and you're done. Okay, I'm gonna do three pictures and I'm done. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, my flash ready to go. You know, but no, um honestly. You know, and, and I'll say it again, um, with everything that you're doing now, um, consummate professional. Um, and, and, and what I find, especially in media, you know, we always want what's quick. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, and, and I say that because I've been around people who just want to shoot and we're done and we get it over with. We're not worried about, you know, we're not worried about, you know, whether the wind is blowing from this way or how that can affect, you know, the total outcome. You know, I can honestly say that every time we shot something, you really paid attention to what was going on around, not just for yourself, but for everybody. Cause like you said, this is the one thing I use all the time my name is attached to this okay so at the end of the day if i shoot something they're not going to say they're not going to look at the people that were acting they're going to get the person who did the shooting right exactly it's really yeah. the way it is that's what you're going to look at you mm-hmm. know oh vanderbilt yeah I, there was trash on the floor oh well <laughs> This is your salon, but I'm the one who was hired. Exactly right. To shoot yeah. it, so yep. I'm supposed to see all of these things mm-hmm. that are going to affect the final product. Right. And I, I and and I cannot say this enough as you know as a credit to you that and I'm gonna be brutally I'm gonna be so transparent. And I'm gonna say this. I literally learned to pay attention to detail by watching you because everything you have like you like you say all the time everything you everything you do has to be in order Mm -hmm. if it's not in order then it's not right so we're gonna we're gonna do this and trust me it was all fun and games we had we had a ball (laughs) but trust me when diva wasn't happy (laughs) when diva wasn't happy just no, I don't yeah. want the what was, it, the, what was that the dirty fries we used to eat? What was that? Whatever it was. Oh, the trash fries. The trash fries. I don't oh. want no trash fries. Right. right. <laughs> we have to discuss this because guess what? My name is attached to this. Absolutely. But no, no <laughs> trash fries for nobody until we get this right. I'm like, Damn, that's right. I was actually hungry too. <laughs> I don't want no more tea or no more diet coke. I'm hungry. And you talking about we can't eat. Until we get it, right? But no, that was. (laughs) I literally, what you know, you there's you and a few others that it was just, uh, and I've been doing this for years. You know, you are one of the few, and I'm talking about on one hand that I can truly say everything had to be in order, and it had to be up to your standard you know you never you never went away 
from the standard that not only not only not only what you saw for the client but what you saw for yourself yes. and like i said i've been doing this for years right but you are one of the few not to mention he's so fashion he's so fashion conscious don't don't, don't he look good y'all don't he, don't he look but no um i i you know um you say you have a couple of workshops coming up um what else is on the horizon for um okay so let, let me ask you this when you're when you're out and you're you're talking to people do you are you are you sir richard what yes okay yes so sir richard eugene okay. um my name is richard eugene jones but i've i've um I fashion myself as Sir Rashad Eugene. Um, I use the pseudonym because, I, like I said, I come from the world of recording artists. I, I, I wanted to be a recording artist my whole life. So um, I just love the idea of a stage name in general. But, um, but I chose the name Sir not to exalt myself, but to, as a continuation of a concept that my grandmother gave me and my brother. My grandmother used to, to address my brother and I as Master Rashid and Master Rashad. That's how she addressed us. Okay. She treated us like royalty. It used to upset my, my my other siblings because it wasn't their grandmother. It used to upset my other siblings and my cousins and my aunt, my auntie. You know, like they're like, why do you treat them so special? Master Rashid, Master Rashad. But her addressing us that way and constantly, constantly treating us as if we were royalty, doing things, special things for us, it gave me a sense of self-respect. Mm -hmm. And throughout my life, people have tried to give me titles that they want me to have. Nigger, gay, faggot, insert whatever you would like to insert there. Now, if anyone was to address me, you have to give me the respect of my name first. Sir Rashad is da-da-da-da-da. Sir Rashad is blah-blah-blah, whatever. As long as you know who I am and you respect me. And... That's what that is for me. So it's not to exalt myself. It's to it's a, it's just a continuation of the self respect that my grandmother instilled in us. Um, but yeah, so so that's how that's how I present myself to the world. I am a published author. That's what that's what um, that's the name that you'll find my book, Fear the False God, under on Amazon. Plug, um, and <laughs> and so um, yeah, you know. So and it it also um, kind of gives people this uh this there's always a reaction to it it's like oh well this is interesting you know this is not you know just someone coming with their regular name which there's nothing wrong with that but it just creates another level of mystery you know so um i'm all about pulling things out of the bag and you know giving the people way more than they desired that or or thought that they desired in a moment you know so um yes yeah, so that's that's how i address myself and present myself to the world. Um, I, uh, I have the workshops that I that I'm working on that I that I use for speaking engagements. Um, you know, whenever people want to go deeper beyond um, just me coming to speak and they want to, to, to get some actual one on one time, so to speak, or that more intimate time to go in depth and um, really do some training exercises and hone some some people skills and some personal skills that we should have for ourselves. I am, um, and, and we'll get ready to wrap up, but, you know, one of the things, you know, you hear a lot of people say um, is giving people their flowers. 
um, you know, while they're, while they're here, because far too often, it's when a person has left us for whatever reason, you know, we want to say, oh, you know, he was such a beautiful person to work with this, that, and the third. So I want to read something here. And it's just as, as this is just a testament to who you are. Um, it says here, I'm really grateful that I've reached someone like you. You have given me so many great tips to make my life better. Since I understood that life isn't about expensive materialistic possession, my mindset has changed completely. I can now live a, live a simple life and I just don't give a damn about what people think about me. And that actually was from someone way in Africa. So- Meridius um, Island. Yes. Yes, so um, that makes me that makes me really really proud to know that you're walking in your purpose. And you know, a lot of people say things just to say things, you know. But everything that you said since we started talking was just summed up in that one quote, you know. And I and I, I read through them all. You know, but that one stood out because the one thing we kept talking about, or one thing you kept talking about, was changing the mindset. You know, mm -hmm. and how now you want people to live free. Well, that right. sums it up. Um, and I really wanted to highlight that, um, just as a as as a testament to the person who you are and what what you're doing you. and everything. That I know uh, that you're gonna do, even though he has not. Invited me out for ice cream, and I'm really. Ah. <laughs> oh, we are definitely gonna be really, really offended by that. Hanging so, out real soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still hurt by that. Um, uh. Yeah, you know when I found out that you know, and don't get me wrong, he he was with Mama. Right. Don't nobody come up with Mama. No, nobody. Me and Dad oh, ice cream too. <laughs> and I feel like we're like this. And I, I got you. I ain't got to invite yet. <laughs> um, tell us, uh, in, in wrapping up, tell us how uh, we can find you, what's your social media, your website, um, and if it, and, and in closing, and I'll let you, you close it, um, if there's one thing that you can tell anyone, especially the younger generation, what, what what would you want them to know or what would you what would you what would you tell them that they could use right now going forward okay thank you thank you first of all just thank you for this opportunity to um to allow myself to be exposed to more people um and just be heard and to share um it doesn't matter who you are and and this is not my clothes quite. But just one more thing I wanted to say, it doesn't matter who you are or, or what type of life you're living, you need some type of outlet. And especially for people like us who are creative, who are constantly working and constantly doing things and constantly pouring into other people, we need to be poured into sometimes too. Absolutely. And sometimes in order for you to be properly poured into, you have to release and you have to let go of some things so that you can be empty enough for people to pour into or, or, or so that you can remove some of those pockets of pain or pockets of hurts that people can feel with something good. Yeah. So thank you for giving me a platform to not only uh, reach more people, but to share and release some things for myself. Um, it doesn't matter how many times you talk about something, it helps to release. 
um, until you fully heal past it to where you can just talk about it like it's a blue sky, you know. Um, but uh, to, to connect with me, to follow me, uh, my social media that I only have right now because listen, I need a team just for social media because <laughs> it's a beast and we have so many other things going on. But right now I'm just on Instagram and Facebook at Sir Rashad Eugene. Um, my website is sirrashadeugene.com. Um, I am uh, currently booking for speaking engagements. Um, I'm also a moderator. I do life coaching and personal styling. Um, I am, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I've been going through a process of rebranding. That's what I was going to say, because my social media right now only has just a few posts. Um, during the pandemic, I took a huge reset time to reflect and to rebrand. And now I'm excited to go back into the world as this fully realized creature, new creature that I am. Um, so that's how you can get in touch with me and keep up with me. Um, in my social media, I do one minute videos called Midday Mind Snacks. So just daily motivation videos to keep you going. Um, and with that, um, I would like to leave you with um, something that I, I, I think everyone can use to keep going right now is to find an element of your life that brings you joy and that creates a space of peace just for you. Find whatever that is. Don't dwell in it too long because you can create a, a sense of isolating yourself from others. But find that moment daily, weekly, whatever it may be, no later than weekly, not, don't make it once a month type thing. Find that moment at least once a week to where you do something important to yourself. And keep in touch with someone who acknowledges the good things in you and who pours into you, not someone who just agrees with you. We don't need people who are agreeable but people who challenge you, but also pour into you. People who will tell you the good things about yourself because we don't have enough of that. And when you find that, allow it to heal you, but not manipulate you. And I say that because I, I've come across so many people recently who love attention that they get from someone. Remember we were talking about attention from fathers who love the attention that they get from someone or something. And that takes precedence over the quality of that person. Sometimes bad people can make us feel really good. But when we allow that bad person to become the good thing in our life, it's poison, it's toxic. So find those moments of peace where you can love on yourself and stay in touch with someone who makes you feel good about yourself, but don't give them too much of yourself that you start to lose it. I heard it here first. Um, <laughs> that being said, you know, um, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, um, there's, there's not even enough words, you know, um, you, 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 you know the dynamics of our relationship. Um, it, it goes beyond photography, video, fashion, you know that. Um, and, and I will say that, you know, um, I love you then, I love you now, I will always love you. This this is the diva, y'all. And, and I said this, you know, this, I was, somebody was saying, I'm, I'm the diva. <laughs> no, you're not. 
millions of dollars. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to, um, you know, connect way back then. Uh, I'm glad we reconnected. Um, I am looking forward to all of the things that, you know, not only that we have going on in our separate endeavors, but when we do link back up, it's going to be just like old times. Absolutely. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. So with that, I love you, my brother. Um, I love you take too. Care, take care of yourself. You know, you, you have my number at any given time. You can, you can reach out. Um, and we're definitely going to get together for ice cream and all those other things. Um, Absolutely. And, and, uh, <laughs> but um, y'all have heard it from the one and only Sir Rashad Eugene uh, on tonight. And as I always say, everyone has a journey. Embrace your journey. Uh, we will be back next week with another awesome guest. So y'all definitely stay tuned and we'll, we'll see y'all later. Bye, everybody. Thank you.